Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Coffee Break Podcast. These are short podcasts for you to listen to at a coffee break. Developed to give you some quick ideas on how to help you build your desk and business. Now, over to Adrian Mansfield, the Million Pound Biller for today's Coffee Break Podcast. Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Podcast. I'm Adrian Mansfield, and in my 20 plus years in recruitment, I've had a number of million pound years. I've worked in most of the major recruitment markets and in all sales roles within a recruitment agency. I've also run my own company and set up companies both in the UK and in several international locations. Recruitment has given me the opportunity to travel the world and see some of the best and worst places on offer, from Australia to Afghanistan and many more in between. The Million Pound Biller podcast offers those at any level in recruitment tips and ideas from me and my contacts, both inside and outside recruitment, but all from the coalface. Information and ideas that can be taken back to your day-to-day careers and put you on the path to a million pound year. The cornerstone of my success over the years has been my willingness to learn and develop my skills, something I still do every day. Now I'm offering you some of my ideas and thoughts that will allow you to squeeze the most out of your recruitment career, no matter what level you're at and where you're aiming for. Every journey, even one to a million pounds, starts with a single step. So let's take that first step together. Hi, and welcome to the Coffee Break podcast. We're now at episode 16. And for those of us in the UK, we're starting to see the sun and the opening up of the economy with shops and pubs opening this week. I even managed to get a haircut. I am definitely one of those people who doesn't do long hair, but I'm also not brave enough to try and cut my own hair. So now that I've managed to get to my local barbers, I've finally been able to put aside the baseball caps that have been my staple over the last month or so. And that takes us to today's first topic, the use of video in recruitment. Over the last 12 months, as the world has gone into lockdown, we've all got much better at using video calls for our daily work tasks. But are you getting the best out of this newfound skill? I found a recent study, and I was leading online this week, that said that users spend 88% more time on a website that has video, that video generates 1,200% more shares than images or text, and that videos up to two minutes long receive the most engagement. Finding the next edge is often crucial, especially in some areas. And I believe using video may just be that edge. It's getting out a post explaining a role, or perhaps rather than send a traditional message on LinkedIn to a new client or candidate, using video as a medium instead. As can be seen by the stats, these videos don't need to be long. Less than two minutes is ideal, but they will have an impact. I'm firmly on board this train. I'm increasingly using video in marketing, candidate and client outreach, and just day-to-day activity. I find that my clients and candidates get a lot from it. And in the main, despite less than stellar acting skills, I get great feedback on the videos I post and use. I've even started my own YouTube channel linked to this podcast and one link to the podcast I'll be launching soon. It's had the added benefit of making me at least a little bit cool with my YouTube-obsessed daughter. These, however, could all be seen as a vanity, getting these things out, your brand via video, having a YouTube channel, or sending out videos to clients or candidates. We need to bring this back to the key factor in recruitment, that of making and building relationships that benefit you, your clients, and your candidates. I firmly believe that the best method of doing that is face-to-face. But let's face it, we're in a new normal, and the old style of face-to-face meetings are probably still some way off. Given that situation, then I believe video offers a strong option to create those links. And I'm sure there are some of you out there for whom this idea is full of dread. There will be equally others who are simply born to it and take to it immediately. To that first group, all I say is that it is far easier than you think. Let's face it, no one is expecting you to be a new anchor man or a skilled presenter. The best videos I see are the ones that look a little rough around the edges, that feel that the person has simply spoken from their heart and with passion. The key is, as with anything, practice. 
The more you do, the better you'll get and the more confident you'll become. Equally, you need to start to set expectations on what video will bring. Let's face it, you're not going to become a YouTube star overnight. But that's not all we're aiming for. Success for me in a video is getting some interaction, perhaps some money going to our website, and perhaps in a very small number of cases, getting a sale or a lead direct from a video. The video process simply becomes part of your toolkit. It's a way of connecting with people that is different from the norm and therefore makes you stand out. It's also a method that won't suit all clients and candidates. I know some of my clients just aren't online anywhere near enough to watch a video. They're out on sites delivering their projects. In those cases, I use tools from my toolbox, such as a good old-fashioned phone call or a text or even a WhatsApp. The fact is, adding video to my offering doesn't stop me doing the other more mundane or old-school offering. It just adds to my possible methods of interacting with clients and candidates and the market. And anything that can add to that has got to be great, surely. So moving on to topic two for this week, dealing with disappointment in recruitment. Even though I've been in recruitment for more than 20 years, I still have days when candidates or clients let me down and I have to deal with the disappointment of a lost deal. Just this month, I've had two candidates pull out on roles at late stages, one due to the length of the time the client was taking to make a final decision and the other due to his own late change of heart on the role. Despite the fact that I spent a great deal of time going over the issues and ensuring he spent time looking at the issues before he progressed. In both cases, I had a great amount of time and effort invested in the process to that point. Whether or not I was on retained fee, the hurt and disappointment of missing out on the final sale is still a hard one. The point is that in that recruitment, we are working with a product that has its own mind. It's not like we're selling cars, sweets, or another inanimate object. In those cases, the product won't change its mind. It may well get stuck on a ship in the Suez Canal, but once sold, it can't then be counter-offered or decide that the commute is a bit too far or any one of the hundreds of reasons I've heard over the years for turning down an opportunity. The other issue to this is that it can happen no matter how good you have been at the job. In both cases this month, I did a full review of my actions in the process of getting to the point where the person pulled out. And in both cases, in my opinion, I'd done as much as I possibly could have done to get things closed down. I was doing a deal with people on both sides of the equation. And therefore, there is always an X factor that you can never take out of the process. So how do I deal with these issues? Well, firstly, I'm always 100% honest with a client or candidate. I never try to assign blame or to try and take the focus off me and my part in it. I own the issue. If the candidate has removed themselves from the process, then the issue is with me, even if I know that that isn't the case. I make the client aware that I'm going to do whatever it takes to resolve the issue and find a replacement, and then I get it back into action. If the client, I explain the position to the candidate, and again, I take ownership of the issue and try to work out with the candidate to find them other options. I have a strong network of clients, so that's often something I can do, but not always. And in your case, it may be that this is the only client you have currently. You need to look at other options, such as actively marketing the candidate to a new client. When an issue comes from a client and it was avoidable, such as a long delay in making an offer or a delay from, in moving from interview to offer, I would also try and use that issue to educate the client on what their actions have done to cause the problem. I tend to work on a two-strike rule in these cases. If a client makes such an error and loses the deal due to their delays, the first time, I will take it on the chin and work with them. But if after working with them to try and avoid the issues in future, they repeat the process, then I would take a long, hard look at whether I need to be working with that client at all. Again, I'm in a fortunate position that I have other clients I can work with. But even if this is your only client, I would still suggest that they're making your, you work hard and then you're not getting results due to their issues. And when you've done what you can to improve it and they're still not improving themselves, then their value should be surely looked at. But coming back to the wider point, 
I do take ownership. And when disappointment happens and I take action to get back on track, for me, this refocuses my mind. I find that by moving away from the disappointment and onto something I can control, it helps me deal with it. I also have the scars and experience to know that disappointment happens to us all and will continue to do as long as we're in recruitment. The flip side of that is that those disappointments make the successes feel better. In both of the cases of this month's disappointment, I worked hard and refilled the post, worked with the client in the first case to smooth out their processes and speed it up. And in the other case, the candidate was more local and so had no issues with moving. Those two sales felt more sweet for the hurt that had come before. Whatever level you're at, I say embrace the disappointment. They're part of your learning and your growth in the career you've chosen. Because of those pains, the success and achievements that you do have will be much sweeter in the end. I hope these ideas this week have given you some food for thought. As ever, I really enjoy interacting with you all on social media after these podcasts. For those who aren't yet connected with me, I am at Million Pound Villa in all the usual places. I'll be back next week with a coffee break ideas from the coalface. And I'm about to record another interview with a leader in their field. And I expect to bring you that over the next week or two as well. In the meantime, if you like the Million Pound Biller podcast, it'd be great if you could like us and review us wherever you get your podcasts and also pass word to others in recruitment who you think may enjoy these podcasts. Until next week, enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm.